0: Do you ever feel like a hamster on a hamster wheel, not getting anywhere new? Perhaps you've hit a plateau that has you asking, is this it? Have you accomplished all you've set out to do in life and are not feeling as fulfilled as you thought you would? It is normal at midlife to reassess what's working for you and what's not. It's also normal to want to reclaim your time, your energy, and your joy. Let's make the best out of the second half of our lives by having more fun, experiencing more peace, and feeling more joy. If any of this resonates with you, then this podcast is for you. I'm Megan Bayless-Bartley. Now let's get ready to shift our shit. Hello and welcome to another episode of Shifting Our Shit, the SOS podcast. I am Megan Bayless-Bartley. And this season, as we're talking about boundaries, I'm being joined by Elizabeth McCormack. And today we have special guest Britt Riddle. Uh, who's gonna talk with us about compassion fatigue. And Britt is one of our therapists at the Mindfulness Center, and she's teaching some really cool classes in January um, that you're gonna wanna check out. View our website at mindfulness-center.com. But let's just jump right in and say hello to our guests today. Hello, Elizabeth. Hi, Megan, how are you? I'm good, and hello, Britt, how are you? I'm doing well today. Thank you. Awesome. Well, we are going to dive right in and our topic for this uh, part one of episode four is what is compassion fatigue and how does it relate to boundaries? So Britt, you are the compassion fatigue expert in our practice. So help us understand it. Yeah, compassion
1: fatigue um, is something that's near and dear to my own uh, heart and experience from from my background being a minister and and going through compassion fatigue and burnout myself and coming out on the other the other side of that. Um, and so, I define compassion fatigue as the emotional, physical, spiritual exhaustion that people who are in helping professions, caregiving professions develop over time. It's, it's a gradual lessening of compassion for ourselves and for, for those we're caring for, for those we're working with. And I really think it wears down those things that keep us connected to to others. It wears down our empathy, our, our hope and, and the source of our compassion.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Elizabeth and I in these last few episodes have been talking about, sometimes we don't know we need boundaries until we feel the symptoms of not having those boundaries. So how does compassion fatigue relate to boundaries? Yeah, I think the, so I have over the
1: past few years kind of dug into some of the research around compassion fatigue and the risk factors and protective factors. And most of those uh, risk factors for compassion fatigue involve lack of boundaries or um, morphing boundaries. And Mm -hmm. the protective factors for burnout and compassion fatigue are boundary related. And so some of them are at the organizational level of things like client or patient caseload, um, organizational support. But some are around our own emotional emotional boundaries in terms of how, how, how we provide empathy for other people and whether we are caring for them in place of them or being with them. I think that's probably the biggest thing around the emotional boundaries for, for protective factors for compassion fatigue um, is, is how, we, how we approach empathy and how, and how involve, under-involved, over-involved, or kind of in the middle space involved we get with those we're caring for.
2: Yeah, I noticed the, the difference between kind of empathy um, and sympathy. A lot of people kind of don't understand how the boundary exists and the difference there, where if you have sympathy for somebody, you're taking on what they feel rather than being present with them for what they feel, but not making it your own. And when we get all wrapped up emotionally kind of in what's happening, we forget, oh, this isn't actually my thing. My job is to not be here and feel all of this, but to be next to this person and allow them to feel what they feel and not get ourselves all wrapped up or caught up in it. And so a lot of times when we feel that pull of like, am I overwhelmed by sympathy of like feeling the same thing with them I'm joining in too closely versus having kind of empathy to say like oh it looks like you're really going through a hard time right now and I'm I am sorry about that but it's it's not now you need to I feel so bad for you and it's like well now they need to feel bad that you made them feel bad I mean the revolving circle there is is kind of ridiculous
1: yeah it's that feeling with someone and not for someone as nice. a, say, wait, say that. Line, yeah, say that again. Feeling with someone, being present with someone, but not feeling for them, not doing yes. their emotional work for them. Um, and, and that's something as people who are in helping professions and caregiving roles, we are drawn, typically we're drawn to those roles because we feel deeply with people. And so that line
0: can be really challenging to come up to and not cross. Absolutely. And and Elizabeth and I were talking about, you know, what uh, people who are highly sensitive or high empaths and how that, you know, yes, caregivers, yes, people in helping professions, which probably are going to be high empaths or highly sensitive people.
1: Definitely. And that that as I see boundaries that they're protecting energy exchange. And that's different for for every person of how much energy can come and go without the burnout, without the anxiety, the irritability, the resentment. I think for compassion fatigue, signs of feelings of resentment are what are probably the biggest warning sign for red flag for boundaries are being crossed. When I start feeling... Upset that I've scheduled someone when I didn't want to see them, or when I start feeling when I start going home and 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 carrying carrying the emotions of the day home, and then I'm feeling resentful that I can't sleep or I can't make my dinner on time, like whatever that may be. Yeah, um, that that's probably the red flag. That's probably beyond the yellow flag or the orange flag. The red flag is probably resentment. And I think back to something Elizabeth said about uh, empathy and and sympathy, I really see boundaries as a way we respect ourselves and others and the autonomy of other people, that we, we give them the autonomy to To be who they are, without us doing again us doing that work for them, and so yes. I see it as a bit of an autonomy um, yes. issue in terms of that we're responsible for our own boundaries. That is not the job of the other person.
0: And right, yeah. Well, and I I think of things as um, you know the over functioning or under functioning is kind of what mm-hmm. we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like if I. Am over functioning and thinking I need to take I need to take care of this person or in a way that I'm maybe pushing the boundary for right like if I'm taking on a responsibility that maybe that piece is not my responsibility I might not need to think about my clients at the end of the day when I'm home with my family right like that I I need to be with my clients when I'm here in the moment. Um, and that's a boundary issue for me that I need to set for myself and maybe a way that we, 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 um, you know, how do we handle our anxiety, you know, of like, you know, I need to do something, I need to produce a result, I need to help this person, I need to save this person. something where it's like, there's an anxiety there. And the way we soothe that is thinking like. I got to come up with the thing or do the thing versus um, kind of settling into just being present and creating the space for the person to do whatever work they need to do in that moment and trust that you know my job is just to be here be present and not do the work for anybody yeah
1: and i and it's really the- helpful <laughs> go ahead brett I was gonna say, I think that those boundaries allow us to uh, to be more compassionate. Um, I mean, they're really the antidote for compassion fatigue. If people in helping professions we're gonna experience compassion fatigue sometimes. That's pretty much inevitable. And and so, how we deal with that and how we approach that moving moving into that space matters a lot. But but yeah, I think those boundaries allow us to continue compassion in the defined time that we are needing and wanting to do that. And so when we are at work in our professional roles, we can have much deeper compassion and presence if we do have boundaries around that time and space.
2: And I was kind of gonna say about just kind of like being with our family members, cause right now we're all anticipating lots of time with family um, and how us conveying that we're confident that our person, our child, our spouse, our mother can take care of their own emotional reality. When we swoop in and we're saying, no, don't feel this way, feel a different way, be happy, it's the holidays. When not everybody needs to feel happy that it's the holidays, it's really okay to have a lot of different mixed feelings and emotions when it comes to all the togetherness we anticipate over the next several weeks and what pressure that feels. I want to make sure that I convey to my people that, yes, this is really hard, but you can do it. You can handle this rather than let me come in and fix this for you. Let me come in and shift your mood for you. I'm not, I'm actually not doing something that's compassionate. I'm actually not doing, I'm doing a disservice to them by emotionally putting them forced into a situation where I think they should be, whether that's. They're in the grieving process, and the holidays is here, and it's it's tough to feel. Yay, the holidays are great, but I'm really missing my person, or I'm missing someone who isn't around the table who used to bring me comfort. um, And allowing each person at the table to have their feelings, um, and not feeling just the anxiousness of I can't handle or I can't control what everybody's feeling, so I'm gonna control it by swooping in with excess positivity.
1: Yeah, that managing other people's emotions and boundaries just at least for me expends every ounce of energy that I have and and then I don't have that energy to spend with the people I want to spend it with or the cli- my other clients and so um, so yeah, I mean I think the the boundaries that we set they're I think boundaries have such a bad a bad rap sometimes that, that they're like rules or that they're um, to punish the other person or to put them in their place where boundaries are for us. And they're to help us manage, again, that energy exchange, which is going to be different for each person. Um, but they allow us, I think, to be in fuller relationship with other people rather than... Um, Rather than kind of being rules or, or punishment, I really, I really think um, I've read a lot recently about about boundaries, and there's some great, great new books that stuff out. Um, but I tend to go back to Brene Brown's definition of bound, or not definition, but she she uses the acronym BIG, B I G, and she says it's we ask ourselves what boundaries need to be in place for so me to stay in my, my integrity, which is the I, the boundaries is the B, integrity is the I, in order to make the most generous assumption about another person and the, the G is the generous. And that I really appreciate that when when my boundaries, when I am not sticking to my boundaries, when I am extending or crossing my boundaries, I often find myself not assuming the best intent of other people and, and so I appreciate that sense of how do i how do i live within my own integrity through my boundaries so that i can assume good intention on
0: on behalf of other people beautifully said very beautifully said and that reminds me of the idea that boundaries are like an intention right we're being intentional with our time and energy to say you know knowing ourselves like um, elizabeth and i have been talking about is that self-awareness of what am i needing in this moment what is my intention at this time with this person, right? And you go into it sort of, you know, not with an expectation, but kind of just maybe a flexible structure. I call it a flexible structure so that you can kind of say, here's what I'm intending. I want my time to be well-served or appropriate or whatever. I have this amount of time, you know, and then kind of being flexible with yourself and, with that as well.
1: Yeah, I think that flexibility, that reminds me, I think there was, I think it was landscape architectures, architects who did this, I don't know that it was a real study, kind of an informal study, and they were looking at fencing options, and around playgrounds, I believe, and so they put adults and children on playgrounds, that didn't have fences, and the kids would stay pretty close to the adults and not not wander around and explore. And then they put them in um, fenced-in playground areas, and the kids would go to the edges of of the boundary and explore more. and And that reminds me that that those boundaries are what give us a sense of safety.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: we can be flexible and move freely within them. Uh, if when things are totally boundary boundaryless, we often don't feel
0: safe or secure and so um but yeah yeah, it just reminded me of that that playground that's a good point well we have an exciting part two of uh compassion fatigue and boundaries if you are somebody who thinks that you have compassion fatigue and you're wondering what do i do now join us in number or two uh episode four part two